Dear friends, I give you a very warm welcome to another talk brought to you by the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth and Poole Christian Spiritualist Church. I am Fabrício Sunsão from the Spiritist Society of Bournemouth. We have our weekly study groups about Spiritism philosophy. If you'd like to take part, please get in touch for further details via our page on Facebook. For our talk tonight, we are honored to have again as guest speaker, our dear friends, Dr. Dennis from the United States. A big welcome to you then. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys again. Thank you. So Dan gave us a wide range of talks internationally on the spirituality and the spiritism. He is a founding member of the Spiritist Institute. You can also find him as the host of the Spiritist Conversation podcast. Dan holds a number of university qualifications, including a doctorate degree in education. Tonight's talk by Dan is a form of a question, love your enemies. It's one of our series of fortnightly talks exploring the psychological series of books by the spirit of Joanna de Angelis. These books were psychographed during the last 40 years by the famous spiritist medium, Dr. Devaldo Franco. So who is Joanna de Angelis? She is a spirit who has been incarnated a number of times. In the 13th century, her spirit was incarnated as a nun, Saint Clair of Assisi, who is famous as the great supporter of Saint Francis of Assisi and his work. Before that, she lived in the first century as the wife of a high-ranking official under King Herod, where she became a follower of Jesus. And later in her life, she was born alive as a Christian martyr in the Colossian in Rome. From this amazing background, the spirit of Joanna Giangeli has been the mentor and guide to Givaldo Franco. Through Divaldo's mediumship, Joanna has written hundreds of books, poems, and other spiritual works. The beauty and the deep spiritual insights of Joanna's work inspire today vast numbers of people across the world. Before we go to them, let's go to our friend Laurison Saville at the Poole Christian Spiritualist Church for our opening prayer. Over to you, Lawrence. Thank you, Fabricio, and a great big warm welcome once more to you, Dan. Absolutely wonderful. So, dear friends, if we can just join together just for this short time, go within into the peace, the inner sanctuary, the link to the divine which resides within us all. And we ask, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that we do have within our lives. This time is giving us time to reflect, to look upon our lives, to see what we actually need rather than what we want. And it's given us these opportunities, such as tonight, to join together from across this globe, to learn, to proceed on our spiritual pathways, and to receive that upliftment and that knowledge and that truth that there is no death, only a change of pathways from one to another. But we can, through thy works, communicate and receive these words of encouragement, upliftment and direction 
to take within our lives to help us on that path to perfection for which you have inscribed for all things. So we sit now and immerse ourselves in the loving energy of this evening and the wise words that will flow. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Now it's my pleasure to hand it over to Dan Assis for his talk, Love Your Enemies. Dan, you're on mute. Isn't that the sentence of 2020, right? <laughs> um, you are on mute. Uh, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be here with you one more time, uh, especially because today, um, this topic, or more importantly, the um, the the figure mentioned by by Fabrizio, uh, the spirit Joanna De Angelis, is near and dear to my heart because of her incredible insights into the human psyche and um, her considerations that really often blow my mind. To be honest with you about life in general, and so I am thrilled and feel truly honored to be able to share my perspective about some of her work. And we're going to talk a little bit about it, um, about uh, uh, you know uh, this fascinating uh, body of knowledge. But more specifically, today, what we really want to do, at least what I would love to, to do over here, is to talk about the revolutionary and yet crazy concept of loving our enemies. And we are going to try to do that based on her incredible wisdom. And I think that before we do anything else, I wanted to share with you uh, my thinking behind it and why I feel like this is such an important topic today. And I think that if we look outside, I think we can agree that life has been very rough uh, in this past year plus. Uh, but if you really look about five, six, maybe 10 years, I think that we can kind of sense that there has been a change of tone in human relations. I think that as a society in general, we have been very polarized. We have been very quick to dismiss relationships, to look down on people because of their perspectives, to frankly become very combative or even aggressive towards people who hold different views. And that is a unfortunate turn of events. Um, and we can oftentimes say that, you know, the internet has uh, created a situation where we have this virtual courage to tell people off and do all these kinds of things. But I want to believe that the internet has not really caused this. It has just helped us magnify that which was already in our hearts. Uh, so all of that to say that our ability to deal with people with different perspectives of the challenges that we face in our lives uh, and maintain and improve those relationships are really sort of the core of why we are here. And so we want to explore that idea. We want to explore this concept of um, sharing, uh, you know, love and understanding with, our, with, with those who may not think the same way we do. Now, the fascinating aspect of this to me as well is because we're also going to touch on the idea of, uh, you know, uh, a sentence really that comes from the Gospel of Matthew uh, that says, love your enemies. And that obviously comes from, from Christ. And that in itself uh, sometimes merits a little introduction because the concept of loving our enemies 
is uh, you know something that's tainted by the very idea of the Christ itself. And and by that I mean that many of us have perhaps had less than stellar encounters with organized religion. And in doing so, we have been exposed to a Christ, to a Jesus that might not necessarily be accurate. And um, uh, how do we say that? Um, and correct, or at least um, honor the true image of the teachings of this incredible spirit that has come to show us how to live a life of growth and understanding and of course love as well so within that larger frame is how we wanted to, to talk about this topic because this idea that he has proposed that we should pay attention to love in such a way um, so as to extend that to the people who we think are out to do us harm is crazy I mean, it, it sounds crazy in a modern world to say that we should love our enemies. And, and I think that many people have tried to understand it and have tried to interpret it in different ways, um, have tried to really make sense of different things. But I think that um, oftentimes that's dismissive, dismissed as a, as a novel concept, a beautiful thing in theory, but that's not really practical. And I think that today we want to try to take a stab at that and say, you know what? I actually think he meant exactly that, that we should love our enemies. But to understand that, to understand love um, and uh, loving our enemies, I think it becomes necessary for us to take a step back and reevaluate the concept with the help of some higher thinking, of some higher perspective. And I am really glad that we can get some of that from Joanna Changelis. And, um, and I want to share with you really briefly here, there is one wonderful quote from one of her books that um, have not yet made its way into the English language. But let's see if we can do this over here. And in it, she says, to act instead of reacting, to think before, of act, before acting, to reflect as the initial step to any undertaking, to promote peace instead of insisting on violence, these are the decisive steps towards a healthy behavior. And so that's really a powerful thing because he helps us or talks to us about the importance of really taking a different stance in the way that we act upon the world. It's really about acting instead of reacting. It's really about reflecting before we do anything. It's really about reevaluating the way we behave in the world. Because if we are truly to find fulfillment and happiness within ourselves, we have to come from a place of love. We have to come from a place of caring. And that is what uh, necessitates, that's what makes healthy behavior and fulfillment possible. So all that to say that I am absolutely thrilled about her work because it provides a, a lot of uh, psychological insights into how we can understand our role in the universe given a higher spiritual perspective. So we're going to talk for a little bit, and if I don't get too carried away, we might have time for some questions and answers towards the end and some interaction as well because it is a topic loaded with opportunities for us to talk further, if that uh, makes sense to you. Right, and uh, I want to say thank you all for making the time for being here with us today. I see the comments coming in. Uh, I see Cleo, Margaret, Helen, our friend Steven. Um, you know, of course, I see Pam as well, Cardine, Gaynor. Thank you so much for being here. We're thrilled that you're spending the time 
with us and that you might be interested in exploring this topic with us. Um, whether I succeed in you know furthering your concepts of love and this you know confusing age um, of uh, of a lot of anger and fear that remains to be seen. But I'm really uh, happy that you are here uh, today and that you are willing to take this this journey with me. So um, so let's do this. Let's 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 take this journey together. And I think we might try different things here. But um, I think I'm going to continue to share my screen this way if that's okay with you guys. So let's talk a little bit about um, loving our enemies, right? So, so this is a beautiful sentence, the very poetic in nature that we see in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and in it, we have many different concepts uh, that can be dressed up in three simple words. And, and when I first read this, friends, I, I, I can tell you that indeed this was a very curious uh, concept for me to to struggle with to kind of to kind of deal with because it doesn't seem intuitive it doesn't seem like this is something that you really ought to do right how can you possibly love our enemies it doesn't make sense it seems like a recipe for disaster it seems like a recipe for pain because you know my enemies are always out to get me and why would i love them it doesn't make sense i'm only going to suffer um, and I think that was only after I start to really think about uh, understanding things from a higher perspective, the concept dawned on me uh, slightly different. So to make sense of, of, of all of this, I invite us to, to, get, to grab the bull by its horns, as we like to say over here, uh, and the side of the pond, and break this concept down into three different parts. Right. So, And the first piece I want to do is like I want to break these ideas down and talk about love and talk about uh, the concept of possession in general, and talk about enemies, the idea of enemies as well. And I think that if we can break this down into different parts, if we break this down into um, you know, more manageable pieces, we are going to be able to better understand what um, the Christ really referred to. And we're going to leverage some of this connection between our psychological understanding, our spiritual understanding, hopefully to get there. And if that doesn't make sense, I hope it will by the, you know at the end. Uh, if it does not, I am very glad that we are in a virtual context and you cannot throw tomatoes and rotten eggs at me from a distance. Uh, but anyways, let's let's uh, let's get going here. Let's try to make sense of of all of this. And I think that the first place that I would love to start at is to talk about this concept of uh, enemies. And here's a fascinating thing, friends. That is at the core of what we're talking about here. This is the word that probably jumps at us the most during this whole process. Why do I say that? Because it's such a loaded word, right? It is such a interesting concept to think about enemies in general. So let's think about this because when we come to think about enemies, we are really thinking about winning and losing. We are really thinking about a competition a competition between people. And that is a fascinating concept because in a world where we are um, constantly pressed for understanding, constantly pressed for, uh, for making our way through life, we feel that sometimes people get in our ways. And that is a very curious process because it requires us to think 
that this is a zero-sum proposition, that if I win, you lose. If I uh, get something, you don't. Or if that you are um, you know, hurt in you know, whichever way, you can lash at me to make sense of, of the world in general. But is that really the best way of going about thinking about this? Well, I think that we want to, to try to take a different approach here because when we really look about winning and losing, we're really talking about short-term and long-term thinking. And what do I mean by that? If we are thinking about winning and losing in this lifetime, we are really thinking in about the existence that we have in this moment in time. It is a short-term perspective. What do I mean by that? Well, it's understandable that we may think that people are out to get us. It's understandable that we think that we might have people who are deliberately trying to hurt us. But now that we have reached a point as a society and as a group of people, as a humanity, in which we have become more intentional about understanding the connection with the spiritual world, I think we can safely argue that many of us, at least those who perhaps are here today, have come or stumbled into the certainty or the realization that life goes on beyond the physical body. That who we are and what we are, if I may say it that way, is not physical in nature. Or at least it is not primarily physical. This is not our primary word. We, were, we weren't born um, as physical beings. We were first created as spiritual beings who are temporarily donning this clothing of flesh. And that ought to change our perspectives as well. Because the moment that we understand that the physical world is not our primary mode of being, it is not the first place and the last place in which we will inhabit, this, 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 this perspective that we were talking about, the short-term versus the long-term perspective that we were talking about, starts to shift. We begin to ask ourselves, whether we should change the way we look at time and our role in this planet. And what do I mean by that? Well, if, if I believe that the only thing out there, the only reality that exists is a physical one, then it might make sense to try to enjoy it as fast as I can, to do whatever it is that it takes for me to enjoy pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment to here and now then it might make sense to step on other people and perhaps throw them under the bus for me to get things that will speak to my pleasure senses, that will speak to my you know, idea of, of self and realization and so forth. I might just do anything just to make sure that I get immediate satisfaction now. And I think that's the world we live in. It's a materialistic world in the sense that we oftentimes only think of the material and of the here and now and we forget to tap into this ancient wisdom that has been passed down from generation to generation and that we ourselves have carried from life uh, to life, that we are immortal beings that transcend the here and now. But if we only believe in the here and now, then I can understand how we may think that there is a scarce, uh, scarcity mentality out there, that there's only so many resources, there's only so many hours in the day, that there's only so many different things that can be had and we must compete with each other. I understand that. But from the moment that we begin to consider from a higher vantage point that we are immortal beings, 
spirits that we are. And a great, in great part, we know that through spirit communication, because if we talk to the spirits who are no longer in a physical format or shape or form or body, whatever you want to call it, in corporeal form, then we know that life exists outside the corporeal form, which means that this is not the primary mode of living. So when that takes place, we ought to begin to make this shift and think about, hold on a second, if I am going to live past my physical existence, how does that change my inner perspectives in relations to life? How, does that mean that I need to behave differently? And when we begin to come in contact with so many testimonials from our spiritual friends who are no longer in a physical body and who tell us that life not only goes on past this physical life, but that we return in many different lifetimes as it takes for us to learn our lessons and progress, when we begin to internalize a concept of reincarnation, our perspective changes fantastically. It is almost as if we walk into a movie Right, a movie theater. When we could, when, when we remember when we could actually go to a movie theater, a cinema, and we will walk, walk in halfway through the story. And when we walk in, we may see a story developing, but we forgot about what came before it, and we don't remember what it was, or we don't know what it is. And such is sort of like our physical life. We we come into a physical life. We develop a whole um, uh, story about what it is and what it isn't because we just don't have access to what was before. It's sort of like, you know, starting a Netflix series in the middle of it and not having, uh, you know, uh, watched the previous episodes. We forget all of this. But once we know that we are watching a series, that we are watching a movie, and we are able to dial down a little bit and understand that there is more to who you are, our behavior starts to change. Maybe it is no longer advantageous to me to start to really compete with other people for specific things. Maybe I shouldn't have just stepped on Fabricio on, or, or Larry for things that I want to, because guess what? There is such a thing as cause and consequence, and there are other lives. And if I do certain actions that harm others now, I will be left holding the tab. I will have to come back in one way or another and deal with the consequences of those actions. I cannot run a negative balance in the great scheme of things. And that's a fascinating concept because once we begin to understand that and once we begin to understand that we are immortal beings in an evolutionary process, that we are constantly uh, growing and learning and we come to Earth to be exposed to different experiences that will help us grow, then we also necessarily have to extend that grace to others around us. We have to understand that those who are around us are also going through the same process. So if I am a work in progress and I'm constantly working on myself because I come as a spirit through many reincarnations to do so, to get closer to fulfillment and spiritual nirvana, what have you, then I have to remember that those around me are also in the same process. And that in the process of trying to perfect ourselves, we might rub against each other. We might think momentarily that I need to step in front of you to get something, but that's not who we are in the long term. That's not really what is going to be forever. 
That is just a temporary, like a snapshot in that moment in time, right? So from that perspective, this 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 whole idea of um, of hurting each other, of competing with each other, changes, and this very idea of being enemies also begins to change because enemies presupposes that we are competing and that we have conflicting desires and that one of us must prevail over the other one. One of us must win over the other one. And in the long term, that doesn't make sense because there is no such thing as putting somebody else down so that you can get what you want so you'll be fulfilled. So inherently, we know that. So, so this concept of understanding that people sometimes trespass against us, that is, they do things that perhaps hurt us, um, might help us uh, arrive at the sense that sometimes they do that not because they really hate us or they dislike us, but only because they are trying to be happy themselves and they don't know how to do it. They feel like if they put other people down, they might feel better about themselves. They have forgotten temporarily about their spiritual nature. Much the same way we do the same. Sometimes when we feel like we must put other people down, it's because we have forgotten that we are spirits in progress. And so that is a very difficult concept for us to remember because we are constantly told by a society uh, that we should enjoy everything now. We should um, answer our uh, primal uh, base instincts. We should make sure that we get as much uh, physical satisfaction that we get uh, we can either by buying things, consuming things, drinking things. Uh, you know, have as as much uh, pleasure as we possibly can because there's even expression to this, right? You only live once. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe physically. Uh, we do not live once. We live once spiritually. It's one big spiritual life, and every incarnation is a part of one day in our lives. But maybe, maybe that's not really the way the world works. We just have to free ourselves from that perspective. So, so the act of dealing with our enemies is a complicated one because it requires us to, in a way or another, really think about how we are going to deal with the challenges that we are dealt with or that we face or that are created for us why we are here. And you know, and a, a little quick aside here specifically, I find uh, the Spirits book to be an incredible uh, tro trove of knowledge, shall I say, an incredible repository of wisdom that the Spirits, many different Spirits come together to give it to us. And in one question, um, Alon Kardec asks, what is, uh, you know, what is uh, forgiveness? Uh, what is love or charity? Um, really really like how do we get there but don't tell me what it is for you tell tell me what it is for for this incredible spirit the christ how would he understand that and then the answer that the spirits give us it's a very curious one they say it's three things it's benevolence it's indulgence and it's forgiveness and that's question 886 for anybody who ever wants to check it out and i find that fascinating because it's sort of a recipe for relationships that are going sideways, right? It's benevolence, it's indulgence, and it is forgiveness. So what does that mean? That once we are hurt, once somebody hurts us in a specific way that we are unable to let that go, then we really can't start a, a benevolence, or that is just wishing somebody well. We can start at just sending them good thoughts. We don't have to be close to them. We don't have to be near them. 
We just have to wish that we have a better relationship. We just have to be open to the idea that a better relationship is better. And then we can do it at a distance. We can send them good energies, good vibrations. We can uh, pray over it. We can meditate, uh, whatever you have it. And when we are ready to go into um, coexistence again, then we have to tap into indulgence. And these are not historical indulgences as we sometimes have seen in the Catholic uh, Church. What we're talking about here is about being tolerant of the way the other person is, is recognizing that they too are a work in progress. It's understanding that they are going through their evolutionary path, and so are we. And in the process of getting better, of becoming a better person, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to think differently. And because I know that I'm in that journey and I, I need the help of others to be uh, tolerant with me, I am going to extend that to those who are near me as well. And only after we do that, only after we are living together and we're able to accept that people are different and tolerate, that is, um, you know, be okay with the fact that they might be different, we can really take a step forward towards forgiveness. And forgiveness is not a forgetting what has happened. That's, not, that's a physical thing. We're not asking you to lose your memory. That's impossible. Forgiveness is choosing. It's choosing to let go of the harm we feel that has been done to us. It's, it's, it's akin to dropping a heavy backpack that we have been carrying around. It's letting go of the pain and suffering. It's letting go of the idea that we are being harmed by somebody else or that somebody else is out to get us. And that is very hard, but that's a necessary step that's better done when we understand that thinking about, oops, thinking about enemies really is having a physical perspective. At the end of the day, we really hold on to the idea that we have enemies when we are only thinking with our spiritual, with our physical brains. We're only considering this lifetime or even shorter than that, this day, this month, this moment, this hour. If we are able to free ourselves from that perspective, then uh, we are on our way to letting go of our concept of enemies. So I'm gonna park there for a second because I also want to chat with you a little bit about the other word here in our powerful sentence. And that is the concept of, you guessed it, your. And that is a really beautiful part of the sentence I feel because when we are talking about loving your enemies, it's important for us to remember that your is what? Your is a possessive pronoun. It tells who owns the enemies. And I think that's very telling that we use that because at the end of the day, these so-called enemies or opposers or challenges or whatever it is that you think about, they belong to us. They are a manufacturing of our own consciences and our own perceptions. We are the ones who ascribe the title of enemy to others. We are the ones that buy into that idea that we have enemies. It is our making. It is our psychological mindset that tells us that we're the ones who have created this idea that people are out there against us. And I think that's a fascinating concept in many different ways. It's a fascinating concept because it's really up to us to create that perspective. Because at the end of the day, 
it is a self-centered perspective if you think here with me because the truth is nobody has assigned that person to you as your enemy nobody has come down and said you know what that person is your enemy and you're going to be arch enemies forever the truth is that we have chosen upon ourselves to define that relationship status as a difficult one and say i don't like that person i am going to go out of my way to hurt that person or that person has hurt me therefore there is no road uh, in which both of us can walk together it's a decision that we make psychologically when we think with our physical brains when we are only centered on our physical existence when we forget of our immortal uh, status and why do i say that because can we be short with ourselves here for a second the truth is whether we think that that is an enemy or not the universe sort of doesn't care the universe goes on whether we are feeling tons of pain or a little pain the universe still rolls on it still moves the planets still go on uh the day is still you know moves the hours are still uh you know slowly wane uh, the sun sets the moon shows up people still move around they do their things we are the ones who are getting stuck in this idea that we have an enemy that we have a problem it is a matter of our own creation and i think that's a very modern concept right because we are making this all the time. I mean, if you look at it in the world today, we have all these conspiracy theories that are popping up and we are choosing to believe them because we almost, it feels like, we want to have an enemy. We want to have somebody else to blame for some sort of shortcomings, for some sort of pain, or for some reason why I have not gotten in this world what I think I want or deserve somebody else is holding me down i don't know who it is but it's a conspiracy theory something out there is doing it and it might even be the case and let's say that somebody has the ability to really put you down and prevent you from getting what you want um, it's a little bit of a self-centered perspective to think that the whole world will concoct such beautiful plans uh, in which millions of people are privy to but not you just to hold you as a human being down it's really to think positively of ourselves and our role in the universe that people will do that to us, right? They would spend their entire life creating machinations just to hold us down. But even if that were the case, then what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change our perspective and our behavior? Because either we're going to be in a position to do something about it or not. And if we can't do something about the challenges that are around us, then we just have to live with it. And if we can do something about it, then let's work to figure that out. But I find that sometimes we really enjoy being in a space where we get to blame other people for the challenges we face. Because that, in a way, gives us some relief to know that we're okay. There's nothing about us that we need to change. The problem is really with the other world. It gives us a get out of jail free card. It lets us think that we do not need to change anything about us. We do not need to act differently. We do not need to change the way we behave or treat others. We can just blame and pass the buck up to somebody else. But at the end of the day, it's our choice, our creation, our mental stance 
that does this. It's, it's sort of like the good old, well, I don't have a, a glass here. I do have a bottle, but you can't see it. It's, it's, it's sort of like the old idea of the glass is half full or half empty. The glass just is. What we make of it, it's up to us. Whether you think the glass is half empty or half full, the glass just is. And if you believe that the glass is half empty, maybe you're already setting yourself for the perception that something was taken away from you or that something is missing. And therefore, you might be wary of the world. You might be troubled by the challenges of the world. You might be, think that the world is a scary place in which people take things from each other. Now, on the other hand, if you set yourself to think about the fact that you have been given half a glass, which is more than you had before, then you can be grateful and say, wow, that's wonderful. You know, somebody has taken the time to give me half a cup of water, half a glass of water. That's more than I had before. And you will then trigger a gratitude approach in which you say, you think that people are really kind when they might go out of their way and take their time to give you something. So th these are two different perspectives that inhabit the same objective reality that we live in. And the only differentiating factor is our choice on how to see the world. Does that make sense? I hope that I'm not just psychobabbling here, but I think that the point that we are trying to make here is that we have an important perspective on how we attribute meaning to the things around us. And I think that what I find so fascinating about the work of Joanna DeAngelis is that she dives deeper into the perception of self and awareness by layering, layering a spiritual perspective in it. Because it's hard for us to unsee things when we understand ourselves to be spiritual beings. So um, when we go back to the idea that we are spiritual beings um, and that we are creating enemies and that we are the ones who have taken upon ourselves to craft this reality, is our problems, is our enemies, it's not your enemies, it's not his enemies, it's my enemy. I've chosen to take that on. The only way to free ourselves from that is to work on that concept of love. And that is a funny concept too, because I think many of us have a, I guess, I guess we could say that all of us, um, all of us are at different places of what we think love is. If you ask 10 different people what love is, I think that we might get 10 different answers. And I think that different parts of our lives might give us different perspectives as well. But I think the fascinating part about all of the love piece here is that we need to understand that there's different types of perceiving love. Sometimes we think about physical or sexual love. Sometimes we think about maternal love. Sometimes we think about, you know, passionate or a lust or, um, you know, just a romantic love. Sometimes we think about friendly love. I think all of those are manifestations of love. And what I find fascinating, by the way, as an aside here really quickly, is that uh, Joanna DeAngelis, too, in the same book, uh, Love, uh, Unrivaled Love, it's a title, it's a working title, they're still translating, it's not going to end up with that title, but she makes an interesting perspective um, about the three phases of love, that when we, spiritually speaking, are thinking about love and we're still, uh, you know, um, uh, in an infantile state of mind, when we're still in a childish mode 
we you know love is a very possessive thing we 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 want to hold it on to ourselves we want people to be just for us we are worried about who they are talking to or or where are they going because we feel like it's ours and that we might lose it but if we are able to move into the next stage of love like the juvenile love the teenage love then we begin to feel insecure about it but we're not possessive well, we, we've matured a little bit to the point that we feel like, oh, maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe I, 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 maybe it's not really something that I should have, but nevertheless, we love it. It is only when we mature in our conception of love, when we really let things be the way they are, we accept the other and things as they are and seek for fulfillment for ourselves. When we surrender this, these feelings that we have, we have to work through a lot of things, mentally speaking, psychologically speaking through the process. That's why we come back many times, including you know dealing with our, with our sense of guilty conscience and so forth. But my point here is that when we are talking about love and loving our enemies, we are talking about a mature sense of love, a love in which we care for who is the target of that love. Not because we are going to get something back, but because we really are talking about disinterest love. Oh, let me go back here. We are really talking about making sure that we are not asking for anything back, that we are not doing things simply because we expect that they are going to, oh, I'm pressing all the wrong buttons here today, people, um, that they're expecting something in return. That is not so much the case, right? It's important for us to understand that and know that when we are talking about loving our enemies, we are really talking about understanding that they are human beings or souls better in progress and that they're going through their process. And by doing that, we care about them not because they are going to do something that's good for us or give us up something back, but because we're going to truly understand them as creations of the divine and when we do that then we have the really great news that we are really thinking from a spiritual perspective that we are really making sense of things not the way that benefits us but we are taking our role as you know immortal beings that we are so i say that because once we begin to really reevaluate this idea of loving our enemies from a spiritual perspective, when we make that shift and are able to bring love from a spiritual perspective into our physical perspective, when we're able to shift the way we think and think with our spiritual minds as opposed to our physical brains, we begin to see the other not as a fixed quantity, but as something that's constantly evolving, as immortal beings. And that is a challenge that all of us have. And I think that is the beauty of the message of the Christ in general. And that's why I think he made this invitation to us, that we ought to think not with our physical minds, not with our physical perspective, but transform the way we live our lives. And I think that ultimately that is the message of this incredible spirit who has chosen to take on physical form 2,000 years ago to show us that we can think and be more than we just see physically speaking. That we can win over this apparent world of injustices and challenges that, that we face, that we can still be 
loved and appreciated and we still have a place in the creation and the universe even if the physical world doesn't treat us kindly he wasn't treated very kindly he i think we can agree in many different ways when we read his life a little bit closer i think he's done wonderful things for other people and yet those feelings were not always reciprocated and nevertheless he persisted in those he persists in living rightfully and righteously and not designing not making his decisions with his physical brain and his physical mindset his decisions and his speeches and his talks and his lessons are not meant to be understood simply with our physical brain they speak directly to the immortal spirit because he was resolute on the idea that he was a spiritual being so much so that he was able to come back and show us that even though he had lost his physical body he was still who he was and i think that's a powerful message for us in this world where we forget our spiritual essence where we forget everything else that's going on where we forget that we are spirits first and if we are able to internalize that because we have contact with the spirits in a daily manner i mean we here we are talking virtually about things but all of us in this in this broadcast are somewhat aware or attracted to the idea that communication with the spiritual realm is possible and is ongoing and it's normal it's not something supernatural so we're in the beginning phase of awakening to this reality we just need to spend a little bit more time thinking about ourselves as spiritual beings and internalizing that because we don't often think or devote a lot of our time in a daily basis to think of ourselves as a spiritual being we wake up in our senses tell us that we are physical beings but it's important for us to train our minds and our hearts to remember that we have come to be who we are because we have existed many times as spiritual beings that travel from uh, different existence to different existence as we learn to be better beings in general and once we do that our mind expands in such a way when we're able to get into that sweet spot of thinking we begin to realize that the world around us is not as crushing as it can be that the perceived competition that we see it's not necessary that there is indeed enough for everybody and that we too are going to survive this whether it is a pandemic whether it is social upheaval whether it is challenges with other people we are here to learn things and in the process of learning we begin to make space for others we begin to understand that they too are in the same process they too are going through this motion and we need not think of each other as competitors because there is no finish line for just one person we only win when everybody wins and i think that the covid uh, pandemic in a roundabout way has come to give us a lesson on this there's no point for me to compete with you when it comes to covid preparedness supplies it is no there is no point for me to buy all the hand sanitizer all the cleaners all the disinfectants out there and keep that in my house if you don't have some either because at some point in time i need to come out of my house i'm going to need to interact with you and if you are infected then chances are i will be too so it's about learning to think beyond the here and now the physical world and understand that there are some bonds of fraternity and collaboration 
and brotherhood and sisterhood and familyship that we need to go back to and that we need to understand. And in doing so, we began to break down that idea of enemies. And we begin to free ourselves, and it's our choice, to liberate ourselves from the mindset that the world is out to get us, that somebody else is out to get us. Because we begin to understand that there is order in the whole of creation. And if there is a God, and many of us believe there is, I myself do, then it has to be a positive and loving God. Otherwise, it would not be God by definition. And if there is the case, and it is, our spiritual friends tell us that, we might call it in different names, different perspectives. But if there is a God, and there is, then the challenges we face cannot be bigger than our ability to meet them. Because otherwise, there will be a mean God. So all the challenges we face are in just the right proportion for us to exercise that latent potential that we have within us to grow beyond that which we are right now. That's a beautiful lesson. It's a beautiful reminder when we think with the eyes of the spirit that we are born for this. We take physical form to deal with challenges like these. We are here now oftentimes because we have asked to be born in this time and place so that we can exercise some of the things that we've been working on, perhaps for many lifetimes. And one of them is to liberate ourselves from the idea that we're just physical beings that are going to cease to be. It brings great joy to my heart to know that all the great relationships that we make in this place go with us for all of eternity. All the new friendships that you make in this life, all the efforts that you make to help others go with you wherever you go in the future. Isn't that beautiful? All the friends that you have will always be your friend. It's an amazing gift that to make these relationships with each other. And isn't it beautiful to be able to overcome some of the challenges sometimes we have with people? Because when we do that, those bonds become even more beautiful too. Sometimes some of our best friends are those whom we faced challenges before. And those challenges, after they have been fulfilled or solved, become even better. They are forever. And that's very reassuring when we're able to transplant ourselves from the perception that life only happens in the physical world. And remember that everything is under control by someone or something, we should say, greater and wiser than we are. It's very reassuring because as we expand our perspective to not just think about this physical lifetime right now, this part of the movie, this episode in the series, when we think about the whole series, the whole movie, our whole spiritual life, we also are reminded that we have had acquaintances and friends from other lives which we do not remember who continue to love us and care for us. So the more we grow in understanding, of our spiritual selves, the more it vastly overhauls our physical programming, so to speak, and really show us that everywhere we look, there is love, not competition, but collaboration. That everywhere we glean, we see that relationships, kindness, and love prevail. We just temporarily forgotten that. And if that's the case, then why are we holding ourselves 
to this idea that we still have enemies. Why can't we apply this thinking that this incredible spirit has come to tell us about, that we should love our enemies, that we should extend to them the benefits of tolerance, of indulgence, of forgiveness. Because in doing this, in bringing this spiritual perspective, in bringing love, not in a physical way, but in a disinterest interest way where we really care about other people, not because they're going to do anything for us, but because we just care for them. What, what would happen if we were to bring that back into this reality? What would happen if we were begin to live our lives that way? Well, the world would certainly be a better place, for sure. But I think we would also find an incredible sense of joy in our lives because we would leave behind this fear that somebody is out to get us and that we are not being taken care of and that only ourselves can watch over ourselves. I think that once we begin to free our minds from that perspective, when we begin to operate in a higher level of consciousness, when we understand that we're spirits first and a physical body second, we begin to be more Christ-like. We begin to get the teachings of spiritual reality that really have been imparting humanity throughout. I mean, we talk about the Christ here because it's such an he's such an incredible, perhaps uh, the highest example of moral and ethical being that I personally know of. But we cannot forget that many luminaries and there sages throughout history have been echoing this message that there is more than meets the eye. I mean, another one that I really enjoy listening to because of his psychological perspective is, is Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, who told us that all suffering comes from attachment to impermanent things. If we cling on to things that are not going to last, we are going to suffer. And I think that's the challenge here is too. We can also take that lens and say, if we hold on to the idea that only the physical life matters, then we are going to suffer because everything in life is constantly changing. And that impermanence of the physical world is going to let us down. And so we have to free ourselves to that. We have to put our heart where our treasure is, or our treasure is where our heart is, like we can say. We need to put our mind somewhere else, and that is in the spirit. So the questions that we're left with at the end of the day, and we really begin to think about loving our enemies, is to comprehend that from a spiritual perspective and not from a physical one is to take to heart this invitation that we have heard from the beginning as well with Joanna DeAngelis when she says that we should really act instead of reacting, that we really need to think before acting, really reflect as the initial step to any undertaking. Because when we be, once we begin to think about ourselves as spiritual beings, we really take an important uh, uh, step towards promoting peace instead of insisting on violence because we know that it is through our spiritual evolution that we will eventually reach the wholesome or plenitude, the fulfillment that we seek. It's very, very, very tall order, but a beautiful one. We only have to give ourselves permission to let go of the matrix that we have created for ourselves, of this perception that I hear now. And I'm really grateful that we have moments such as this one where we get to take a moment out of our days to think of ourselves as immortal beings, to exercise that spiritual muscle where we get to think for a second, not of our jobs, not of our physical needs or our you know demands of the everyday life, but to think of us as spiritual beings. 
I sometimes uh, do this exercise. I look in the mirror and I, and I try to think of, oh my God, I always see this form in front of me, but who am I? I'm not this physical body, so what am I? And so I think the invitation that we, we, that we have for us as we pertains to this search for inner uh, enlightenment, for inner uh, growth that we see in love uh, our enemies is that, is to find ways in our everyday life to make the space to think of ourselves as spiritual beings and think about the consequences of what's actually happening. And I end up with a tiny little story here so that we have time to talk because I know that I've been talking for a while. You know, I think I've told you this before, but I'm going to repeat and you're going to indulge me here because you're practicing accepting accepting me who I am. Um, you know, I, I, I think I share with you that once I went into Home Depot and I was looking for some nails um, because I needed to do some, you know, work at home. I was going to hang some pictures. And I saw that there were, uh, you know, some nails that had been rusted. And I start thinking about it. Wow, how do you fix these rusted nails? Because these nails are so cheap. They're like cents on the dollar for a pack of, you know, two or three or five or what have you. And it makes no sense to individually sand all of those down because they will cost more than their price. So what do you do? Do you throw them away? Would that be wasteful? And then I actually, you know, being me, I asked the, the, the helper at the, at the Home Depot to kind of talk to me and explain a little bit about what do you do with these nails? Do you toss them? Do you give them away? Because so, they're rusty, right? They're not the fancy oxidizing, not, not oxidizing nails. Um, and so he told me, no, 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 you know what we do? We're actually, um, we get all these rusty nails, we put them in a big vat, in a big box, and we just shake them. And by virtue of shaking them, they rub against each other. And in so doing, the rust in the nail falls down. And at the end of the day, you have a beautiful set of new shiny nails. And it dawned on me in that second that we are the nails. Our physical experience are those rusty nails that we are tossed together in this great big container called Earth that we choose to go into so that we can, uh, in friction with each other, understand that we are not going to break another nail or subjugate another nail, but in learning to, together, to live together, we are going to learn how to tolerate each other, how to make space with each other, and we are going to shed all the, our own rust and come out much better from it. So we're all little nails in an incredible, beautiful blue container traveling to the universe towards something much greater. And that whole journey is a beautiful one, but it beckons us to think of ourselves as spiritual beings and to take the time to sit with ourselves and ask ourselves different questions, uh, difficult questions. Am I really considering myself a spiritual being? Am I acting in the way that it matches the values that I have and I hold? And if that's not the case, don't hit yourself over the head. Just think about what is it that I'm going to work towards and how will I change my behavior? How will I think about things as opposed to letting my animal stinks kick in and react to things? So to wrap things up, I really do think that Christ really did say love your enemies because there is no point in loving us, only those who love us. Anybody can do that. The challenge of us, spirituals in evolution, is to extend our spiritual self and practice the act of expanding our love to those with whom we do not yet see eye to eye. And I think that's the mandate and the invitation of these times 
where so many people are finding excuses to think differently and break away from each other. Let us be the ones who bring people together and begin by doing that with our own actions. Let's not push people away. If we disagree, that is okay. Let's just be the ones who work towards making this earth a better place for all of us. Because at the end of the day, we're going to have to come back here in our next lifetime. So might as well spruce the place up for when we come back. Right. So I hope that more and more we have the ability to love each other and love ourselves. And by that, I really mean having a disinterest interest in everything that everybody else does. So I hope that you succeed. You hope that I succeed. We help each other and everybody wins. A rising tide lifts all boats. And with that, I'm going to stop talking about things because there's a lot of abstract thinking in there. And maybe we can have some conversations and some perspectives about things. Thank you, Dan, for that. It's amazing, really good. Um, before we go to the questions that is coming on Facebook, you mentioned a few words, um, and a lot of those words resonated a lot to me, and uh, I'm going to explain why. Um, I'm a very big fan of studying Joanna Jangelis. And why is that? Because Joanna Jangelis invites us to rethink about how we're going to expand our conscience from a different level. And because we get ourselves so busy nowadays with our activities, we do forget that we are a spiritual nature. We are not, we are in this physical body, but we are not this, we are a spiritual being. And sometimes those our activities on our daily, by, daily basis deviate us from those, right? And then you mentioned about we compete, we have conflicting feelings, we forget that our, about our spiritual nature. And then all those questions I was thinking, we are the one that are creating all those things, right? And then I, I, I then that is why I, I like Joanna Jones because when you read her books, she invites us to change our mindset, to stop thinking that everything is now now again and and then there is something beyond the now and her invitation is actually how can we expand that consciousness so based on that what would you say nowadays in terms of um it, it for me it's clear that we do need to work on expand our conscience what would you say that what we could do to start put some effort towards that expanding, ex, uh, expanding the, our conscience. Thank you. I think that is a wonderful question. I think these are the challenges of our days. And I think that's why her work in general is so fascinating and so difficult because it's so deep in many different ways. Right. But I think that the advice that the spirits give us to deal with forgiveness, it's also one that helps us here. So if they told us about benevolence, indulgence, and forgiveness, I think it's important for us to also do the same with us. I think the first step, the first step of aware and increasing our awareness is wanting to, is to wish to. So we can do no other work if we don't want to. The work of personal transformation cannot be done if you're not willing to step into it. Right? So I think we have to be very clear about that because sometimes we want to change but we don't want to change ourselves. We want the world around to change because we want to remain who we are. And nothing in this world remains what it is for very long. We're in constant flux, we're in constant change. The cells in our bodies are dying and multiplying every single day. 
to the point in a couple of years we have completely different cells than we had before we're constantly in flux we're constantly changing the idea of remaining one stagnant thing is an illusion because we're also learning through experiences and tra being transformed by interacting with each other but it's not that you who change me it is i that change in interacting with you and so i think the important thing is for us to understand that change to the world the betterment of the world won't come from the outside world we cannot take a pill and feel better about the world in general that might help during a specific period of time but at the end of the day it's important for us to change our mental attitudes towards things to be willing to do the work of changing and that once we have the desire when we have the intention then the difficult but beautiful process of building our self-awareness goes on as we turn our eyes right uh, inwards and begin to look at our actions and our behaviors uh, sometimes it's a very difficult process because we all think highly of ourselves most of the time but we begin to realize that maybe our actions and our attitudes are not in line with what we think we are or what we do but when we remove the judgment even from ourselves and just look at things and say, you know what i thought that i was a really fair person but in this instance perhaps i'm not being as fair as i thought i should be or wish i were so what does that mean and i think the natural process of course is taking action into that and working on everyday things a little bit at a time i feel like sometimes we want big change all of a sudden but i feel like big change is done by small increments by small steps and so what are the some small steps that we can take today to be better kinder more loving human beings right um, so i think that wanting to change is important i think that being intentional about it is important putting the effort to it and sticking to it is very important and those are really small steps but they are really difficult steps because the world still asks us to find the source of our troubles outside and to fulfill that those that those desires with outside things you are never going to be happy in a longing and fulfillment perspective by buying a new car or a new house by doing what have you right that might give you temporary satisfaction but it will be like drinking salty water it will not quench your thirst so the question is what will and do that voyage with to yourself and figure out what is the things that make you thick that satisfy you and i think that um you know part of it um, when you begin to think about it, it has to be when you are helping other people when you are growing yourself when you're learning new things you're going to find that which resonates for you then hold on to the feeling and go after it um, but it's a really difficult process right it's a really hard process and i think that um there's many to be honest with you there are many advantages in the short term right when you think about your perspective to blaming things on other people fear is a powerful motivator too we can get people to do things that we want them to do when we just inject them with the right amount of fear right so the question is can we free ourselves from the temporary short-term perspective by reminding ourselves that we're immortal beings and think about the spiritual perspective and see the long game when we see the long game i think it becomes easier but it takes reminding it's really hard and it's nice that we have each other to support each other because we're not in this alone right it's nice to have an opportunity to talk about things like this it's nice to have study groups it's nice to have book clubs 
It's nice to have a forum with people we love and trust and care about in which we can talk about important things to see how is it that we progress because sometimes it's not easily apparent, right? It is an individual sport, but it's nice sometimes to be able to share those experiences with other folks too. So I'm appreciative of the effort that, um, you know, that you guys are doing, uh, the Spirit Society of Burnmouth, and of, co of course the Pool uh, Christian Spiritualist Church as well, to have these forums, to have these uh, venues and opportunities in which we can come together and kick into higher gear mentally and replenish our spiritual energies as well. Thank you, Dan. So, Lawrence, before I go to our friends on Facebook, do you want to um, ask any question or make any comments? Yeah. <clears throat> Again, Dan, absolutely, totally focused on everything you were saying. Wonderful night. I really love the mirror exercise of looking into the mirror and going, okay, what am I really? I mean, that's something we can all do. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to get off there to run upstairs by my mirror. <laughs> you know, or make sure you, you make sure you got a beautiful picture of something else too, right? So if you're not satisfied with your own image, and focus on that. Oh, there will put be Brad Pitt. Put put Brad Pitt out there. And... I don't need Brad Pitt. I've got me in the mirror. All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, as always, Dan. It's just it, you just have this wonderful gift. Absolutely truly uh and it's brilliant thank you thank you thank you back to thank you, you sir thank you for being here okay so let's go to our friends here on facebook so we have got a few comments here gabriel say um we have to think and act in a win-win environment and then a question from bob williams he says when we faced with enemies as evil as Hitler or Nazis, in what way should we show love to them? That's a great question, Bob. Um, hi, Bob, first of all. Um, that is a beautiful, practical question, right? Because sometimes we are so appalled by the amount of discrimination, intolerance of other people. But the truth is, if we treat them the same way they treat other people, aren't we lowering our levels and standards, right? You cannot fight fire with fire. It does not work. Uh, what does work is putting water on fire. And so how can we possibly do it? I mean, I think we have beautiful examples. We can go back to the life of Christ, for instance, and see how he treated those that were clearly out to get him with understanding and love and so forth. But I also want to call here a more practical example, I think close to our own uh, time, is that of, of Gandhi, who was able to lead a nonviolent revolution that freed a whole country. And that is an unparalleled, I think, accomplishment in the history of our human uh, you know, kind, uh, that we are able to affect change by choosing not to be violent. So when we look at Hitler and the Nazis in general, I think your natural tendency, at least mine, because I'm still working on myself, is to say, oh, my goodness, these people don't even deserve to live. What are they doing, right? But when I pause and I remind myself of the spiritual being that I am, I am taking, taken by a greater sense of compassion because I realize that the path that they are in currently right now is a highly destructive and damaging to them. And then I begin to think about it and say, oh, my goodness, they are bringing so much harm to other people. And we know 
they are going to have to deal with this more with the moral consequences of their actions and that might take many lifetimes it might take many lifetimes for them to undo the harm that they have done to other people and that fills my heart because you know what maybe i've done something similar in a past life and i don't know but i recognize how hard it is to deal with this life and for me to imagine that these people are going to have to uh, make up right in the great economy of karma in life for all that they're doing feels my heart in anticipation for the challenges that they are going to have i would also actually uh, actually argue that when we put our spiritual eyes in these are the people that least need our frustration and anger because they are already not in a good path they're the ones who most need our empathy and our prayers because it is only that love that will change their perspective and their trajectory because at the end of the day we cannot force people to be different but we can show through our own actions and love that it is possible to be different and if they don't choose to change their ways right of course like you know like nazis nowadays we have laws fortunately against this if they're breaking the laws they should suffer the consequences of the laws it's society that's how we live but from a spiritual perspective we need to be extra empathic in a way of extra understanding that these brothers and sisters of us are not bad themselves they are making bad choices and how can we help them we can either help them through action we can also help them through prayer um, and and so it's we can love them in that manner we can suspend our judgment in terms of sending them the negative uh, vibrations of our thoughts and say I disagree with the way that you're behaving and I can see how damaging and difficult that is for many people. And that's not great for these people, nor for you in the long term, uh, because they are going to have to make up for all the damage that they do to other people. It's just a law of nature. You cannot, you cannot run a free tab. There's no such thing as a free lunch in terms of, of the world, right? Like you have to be responsible for your actions. We are free to choose what we want to do but we're not free to deal with the consequences of our actions we must deal with the consequences of our actions in one lifetime or in many lifetimes yeah. bob i hope that makes sense let me know if that wasn't clear or if that makes sense to you fabricia just got a message up your mic isn't connected so uh while we're waiting for oh yeah there you go. that's okay my brain's not always connected either so that works you know, yeah <laughs> can you hear me okay yeah. yeah okay so we have another question that comes from sue she says do you feel that people might agree on a soul level prior to birth to be on opposite slides sides here upon earth to teach each other and yet from a higher perspective does us and a divine act of love beyond the majority of humanity current understanding so sue let me pause here and make sure i understand the question right do i feel like people may agree on a soul level prior to birth to be opposite sides uh so do we agree to i think basically where you I, what i'm gathering sue is like do you think that we can agree to be uh, opponents during life so that we can learn something right um, I think that's the one I'm looking at it maybe I am not understanding it per perspective but I do think that um, I do think that once I don't I don't think we need to agree to be enemies or to be opponents 
I think that it still happens out of a natural process of us being self-centered or, um, I, and I want to make a distinction between being selfish and self-centered, right? Because I think sometimes we, I want to make a distinction that sometimes we do things and we know full well what we're doing and we do things to, to get what we want, even if it harms others and we are aware of that. And that's selfish to me, right? Self-centered is when we do things and we ignore there are other people around us. We don't necessarily feel like um, they're there and we don't think about the consequences of our actions. So I do think that most of us are still, you know, in that self-centered spot uh, and we're working towards something else. So I don't think that we need to agree to be in difficult positions to learn something. I think it just happens normally. Um, and so, I, but I do think that in our reincarnatory process, um, we we are purposefully placed in situations in which we have to deal with the challenges that we have not overcome in a previous life. Our spirit friends tell us quite often that if we don't solve the relationships, the challenges that we have in this lifetime, we don't get a free pass. We have to deal with them either in the spiritual world or here again. We have to resolve these these uh, these needs and these these. We get we need we need to get closure, and many times. When that doesn't happen, uh, it just kind of escalate life after life, and we have tremendously difficult relationships, uh, you know. And we even have difficult rela uh, relationships in the spiritual realm too. We are also aware that many times we have uh, negative spiritual influences acting on us because, uh, you know, of this unresolved um, uh, relationships that we have. And you know, and and eventually, if we keep running away from this, I like to joke this, but I'm sort of serious about it. Um, you know, if we have a relationship with which we haven't been able to figure things out and we are uh, trying to run away of it, sometimes divinity places that in our family. So you cannot run away from it, right? You are placed together and you say, hey, guys, you guys have been avoiding this issue. Now you guys are going to be together in a place where you can't really say goodbye to each other. You have to deal with it, right? Um, and I think all of us sometimes have that one person in our family that seems to be a little bit, um, you know, not in resonance with everybody else. And if you don't have that one person in your family, you're probably it. You're probably that one person that everybody talks about, right? Um, but I think that the this idea of working through our relationships and the planning of that happening before we come here is absolutely true. Uh, I think that many of us are in a place where we can choose to say, you know what, I really ought to work on that relationship. So I might have an opportunity to once again bump into Fabricio in this life. We, we, we had a life last time that maybe didn't work out so great for both of us. Now we're going to have a chance to interact again. And how, we, um, uh, and how we deal with that will determine how fast we can heal that, that broken relationship. So um, I think that in many different ways, uh, Sue, we'd also explain sometimes this affinity that we feel towards people or the antipathy that we feel towards people, right? I'm not saying that's always the case, but sometimes you meet people that you've never met before and you're like, oh my goodness, I feel like I know that person the whole my whole life, right? Maybe there are some previous bonds and some affection that has come from us having a relationship before. And sometimes we just interact with people. We're like, you know what? I don't like that person, right? Um, for whatever reason, it's fascinating. It could be our ego, but it could also be like a an awareness of things that have not begun before. Regardless, either way, the remedy is the same, right? We just need to work at it just be tolerant, indulgent, and work because if we spend enough time with people, we can change that relationship into something positive. So Liz mentioned here, 
Great analogy. Love that. I love that as well. Um, Lean said, thanks very much. Um, Thought-provoking. And a question from Cleo. When we believe in reincarnation, we also believe that we had enemies on our previous life. It is something which affects our life today. We don't know any details, who was, what they have done. How do we deal with this hidden enemy? Ah, Cleo, great question. And that is true, right? Um, and sometimes we don't know what these past relationships are. And sometimes we want to know so desperately because we're just curious about it. But there is a benefit to not knowing. Think about it with me. Let's think about the other way. What a blessing it is not to remember. Because that means we can give ourselves a clean slate. If we remembered, if we carried our memories from life to life, imagine the amount of challenges we would face in the relationships around us. Because remember that we're always evolving, right? We're always growing. And so the more we look back in our past lives, the more likely we are to see that we didn't have great relationships and that we ourselves were not great people either, right? Um, if we're always improving, then the more we look back, the less of a flattering picture of ourselves we're going to have. And so it's it's really a blessing to forget, um, to not have memories from previous lives, because then I don't remember the harm that I've caused to Fabricio, for instance, right? Or the perhaps negative relationship that I had with, with, uh, with Larry, right? So by not remembering, I can then be in a position to build that again. Right? I can give myself permission to start again. Now, sometimes it does puzzle us and we want to know why things are the way they are. We may not always necessarily need to know exactly what the details were that caused that. But if we reflect on the relationship, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea of what has happened. Right? If we can't interact very well, if we have trouble being in the same room, chances are that we have harmed ourselves substantially. And if we have trouble, you know, in, in the family uh, piece, maybe the challenges with family, right? If we have, uh, you know, encounter problems in the business world, maybe the challenges with, you know, financial dealings or whatever it is, I think we are going to get a hint from the situation itself of what the relationship was like or was not like from before. Um, I think that it beckons a little bit of reflection for us. We need to stop and reflect about how is my relationship? What are the really the heart of the matter here? And why is it going sideways on us? Um, it's something that we don't do very often. We feel those feelings. We know that something's clogged up, clogging the pipe, so to speak, right? But we don't stop to evaluate what could I be? Uh, but regardless, again, whether you know clearly what the challenge was that created that problem or not, the problem is still there and the answer is still the same. We need to smooth it out. We need to find a solution for the problems that we have today. Um, you know, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't change, the solution won't change much by knowing more of what we had in the past. I think that's the beauty of the system is we get the clean slate, we get the memory wipe, so to speak, right? So that we can practice those things again and are not stuck on what has happened in the past. It's a lot easier when we start from zero, uh, right, then having to remember all these different lifetimes that we had before, all these different challenges that we had before, it could be very traumatic to remember all these things before, right? It'll be very difficult to kind of break that negative cycle. So in a way, I think I'm really grateful that I don't remember 
all the things that I've done in the past because it gives me the opportunity to think about what is it that I want to do as opposed to stay stuck on the analysis paralysis of, oh my God, have I done all this? Or, oh my God, that person has done all that to me. I think that will make it harder for us to evolve. will make it um, um, you know, much more difficult for us to, to kind of move quickly forward. Okay, so our last question again is come from Cleo. She says, what is your advice about our society nowadays where we consider people our enemy if they do not have the same opinion as us? Yeah, I think that, uh, Cleo, I think that tells us a little bit about who we are, right? And I think that um, we always think about our society being the challenge, but the truth is a society is made up of individuals. So I think that um, we can see that we are lacking that emotional connection. We're uh, lacking that emotional uh, interaction. Uh, I think that tells us that we need to pay a lot more attention into the tone and degree of our relationships uh, and that we are still so centered in getting our own way that we are not oblivious, but dismissive of those around us. It's a fascinating world in which we think and I think this comes from the ego, that we think that we're self-sufficient. We think that all we need is ourselves. And therefore, I really don't need you. I don't need you, right? I listen to you for 10 seconds. I don't like you. I'm going to turn you off. Um, but I think that um, I think that's that's a, that's, a, that's the illusion of the here and now, right? I think that's the illusion of living in the physical world. I think that when we look with the eyes of the spirit, we know that we are not enemies. We may think differently, um, and there may be an opportunity for us to understand why is it that the person triggers us so much? Why is it that by you taking one attitude, why does it affect me so much? Why am I buying into that, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm making that. Like, if I'm give you an example. If Fabrizio says something really mean about myself, is it a reflection on me or is it a reflection on him? It's a reflection on him. I choose to accept it as a reflection on me, right? So that's a fascinating thing that we think that <clears throat> by putting other people down, it's a reflection on them. It's a reflection on us. When we are centered and balanced, the same rule applies to ourselves, right? So this idea that we that we can just separate ourselves from others is a little misguided. Um, but I'd rather do that than actually do harm to each other because I think that there's there's an escalation of that, right? One thing is for me to think that you are not very smart, or disregard your opinion, right? Perhaps not the best thing in the world, but the worst thing is to take the step beyond that and say, and because of that, you shouldn't have the right to live or you should be taking things away from you or I am better than you. I think that opens a whole different can of worms. But my hope is that by, revo by reverting back to the conversation about our spiritual origin, our spiritual nature, we are going to be able to sidestep these problems and remember, that everybody comes from the same place and is going to the same place. And I think with that, discrimination is going to go down eventually, I hope. Um, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not just saying about ratio and, and so forth. I'm talking about even um, diversity of thought, right? The fact that you think differently than I do, it's a good thing because growth only comes from the different. You can never grow if you're not exposed to a different idea. Because if you're not exposed to a different idea, you're still living in the same ideas that you have, you're comfortable, right? There is a role of discomfort in our learning progress that we need to acknowledge and sort of celebrate. 
right? Uh, it is discomfort that makes us grow most of the time. And so people that bring different perspectives are actually helping us when we think about it from a spiritual perspective. They're actually helping us step out of our comfort zone and rethink our convictions. It could be that after considering the perspective, you still think that your perspective is better. That's okay. But hey, they've done you a favor. They have strengthened your resolve. They have made you think about who you are and what is it that you are doing and why. Right. So I think there, um, there's space for us to learn that. And I hope that we're going to pay more attention, especially with our kids, to spend more time explaining to them right, uh, the importance of coming together and talking to, to each other. I think that's an important thing that we, we should consider um, and we should kind of be very intentional about is understanding where the other comes from and understanding that they're, they're just like us. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense, Cleo. Definitely. We had a, a one more question that just pop up here. <laughs> if you don't mind, I will close on this one. Uh, Sarah says, I have experienced past life recovery spontaneously. What there, was there a reason I had to know about it? Ah, great question, Sarah. Uh, there could be. There could be a reason. I think that obviously it's a very personal experience and you'd have to reflect upon what the recall is. Right. Uh, but I will ask myself the questions. How has that served me where I am right now? Maybe that helps me move past a specific stuck point in my life. Right. Uh, maybe that helps me give insight into why I am the way I am or why somebody is the way they are. Whatever happens, it, the universe does not happen haphazardly. Right. It, it, it's not just a matter of coincidence. Things happen for a reason. I think we have to stop and, uh, and try to analyze why have you been given this gift or remembering that memory? I think that the good thing to recognize that is that you were prepared to handle it. I think that's a great, wonderful thing to remember. And this is why sometimes we suggest people don't go look for past life memory recalls. Right. For fun. Right, because you could unlock things that you're not necessarily prepared to to happen, and it could be traumatizing for you to know some of the things that you have done in the past. So let sleeping dogs lie, right? Unless there is an unresolved trauma that you're trying to address, a suggestion the good spirits tells us is let that go, right? Um, I think that for curiosity that doesn't work, but if it has come to you spontaneously, there's got to be an interesting perspective here. So uh, my suggestion is that you are going to be the one to truly figure that part out. Uh, if you meditate and reflect upon it and even pray about it and try to understand if the dynamic of that memory, if that recall of that memory helps you in any way. And I think that you're going to see that, that it does help you in some ways. Maybe it helps strengthen your resolve on, on the reincarnation piece. Maybe it helps you deal with a uh, relationship that's, that's going well or not so well. Uh, but absolutely, there's absolutely a reason why you remember that. Um, and you do have you have to kind of squeeze the the meaning out of that one. Thank you very much. Then um, before I go to the announcements and the closing prayer, is there any close remarks you'd like to make tonight? So, sorry, me or Laurie? Uh, but both of you. Oh, okay. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> I talked you a year off, you know. Uh, Larry, you say some insightful things there to rescue people from my from my nonsensical blah blah blah. No, no, it's been a really informative, and there's so much in there that people will take away. Those watching tonight, and those watching later on on catch up, because there's so 
so many truths in there you know it's we feel right in reacting sometimes to people but that sort of like oh hang on is that your issue or is that my issue exercise again is and it's these little nuggets that people can take away and utilize and work with you know to take that heat out of any comment heat out of any statement heat out of any reaction uh, that we have. I know my Facebook page is littered with so many comments that I typed out and then looked at it and thought, is that going to serve any good? Actually, no. <laughs> Actually, no. We'll, we won't post that one. It is. It's difficult. But I love the part you said about it's tiny steps. You know, we all want that revelation. We all want that huge epiphany moment and everything will be lovely. But it takes work. It, it takes does. time, it takes work, and with the knowledge that we live forever in one form or another should be that comfort as well that whatever steps you take in this life, you carry with you, you go forward with them, and you take more, and you take more, and you take more. So it's just that patience, something I really need to learn. <laughs> Me too. Great. Thanks, Lawrence. So our next meeting then is going to be on the 26th of March. Our guest speaker is Marcelo Neto. He also is from the United States. He has not yet revealed his topic, so the topic is to be confirmed. So as soon as I got the topic, I will share with you guys. Um, I think we are done. So I would like to say a very good night to everyone from Facebook. And once again, Dan, I'd like to say very, very thank you much for being here with us. And Lawrence, would like to do the closing prayer for us? Certainly. So once more, dear friends, just find that peace within, that point of perfection and ultimate balance. And we give thanks for this information relayed tonight, for this topic, to help us to live this life to the best that we can achieve, to help us to understand our interactions, not only with others, but with ourselves too, to progress along this spiritual pathway to that point of perfection for which you have intended for all things. Amen. Thank you, Loris. Thank you, everyone, and I hope to see you in two weeks' time. Have a good night. Bye.